Welcome to the Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death podcast. I'm your co-host, Josh. And I'm your co-host, the girlfriend, Cindy. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death. I am the girlfriend, Cindy. With me as always is Josh. Hi, I'm the presumptive murderer. That's right. Uh, Each week we take apart a movie that is designed to be the horror of all horrors to end my life. Uh, Guarantee it won't be this week. Okay, well, this month, uh, the the themes are done monthly. And this month we're doing Horror Fathers, which we clarified. I kept calling them Bad Dads. Uh, Bad Dads are fun. Right, but that's not the theme. You could also call them Bad Dads, because... I mean, they're not necessarily evil. But right. They're kind of shitty at me. <laughs> well, we get into that. Uh, watch, uh, listen to the previous episode and watch uh, The Bride of Frankenstein. So we did Frankenstein. We did Bride of Frankenstein. And this week we are not doing Frankenstein. No. What are we doing? I am so excited. Mm-hmm. I made a list of the movies I was most excited to show you when we, before we even started the podcast. I was like, these are going to be big ones that I'm really excited to watch with you because I think Cindy will love these movies. Uh-oh. And this was this on a lot of that pressure, guys. List. A lot of pressure <sighs> on the Sinster. Okay. Today. And to, all right. What are, we list, what are we watching? I like how I build it up, but yet, if you're like downloading the episode, it clearly It says title. right on like, there. You, just, you already know. Uh, it's Reanimator. Dum, ba, ba, ba. God damn, I love this movie. This so is uh, this is the movie that when Josh first started bringing stuff to our 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 little cottage here, I thought that he had a, an action figure for um, the the brain and the the brain that wouldn't die, which is a Mystery Science Theater one of their classic episodes with Joel. And I was like, that is so cool. And I, and then it's like, no, it's Reanimator. It's like my favorite. Oh, okay. I do love this movie a lot. But, uh, yeah, it's not the brain that wouldn't die. It's the Reanimator. Okay. I know that there is a brain in a jar in this one. I can tell you that. And that's all I got. Okay. I <laughs> giggles maniacally. For those who are closed captioning um, I will tell you before we get into talking about this movie, it is definitely one of the best horror comedies ever made. Like Horror comedies? Yeah, I would put it up there with American War with a London. In the I did like that movie. For being just... Ridiculous. The best crazy fucking tone of both funny and like good horror. Okay. I won't say it's scary. Because this movie at no point, I, I think, is, like, scary. But it's so good and it's so fun. Well, like, Werewolf in London, you know, it was the same, mm-hmm. you know, the same thing. Like, it, that was decent. Like, the special effects and the story was really good. But it wasn't scary. But I can see how it was meant to be. <laughs> uh, so this movie was released October 18th, 1985. Okay. 1985. 85. I was five. I was three. I was five. Uh, probably. Wait, yeah, I was in kindergarten. Was yeah, yeah, I was three. Uh, three. I was three. You would have just turned three. You threw me because I was like, you're not two years old. You're three. But it's because it was October. Because October. Yeah. Did you have a little brother yet? Uh, I think Nathan was... Yeah, Nathan was born eight. Yeah, he was... I had a baby brother by this point. Nathan was around. Anthony wasn't yet. So you've already felt what it feels like to want to murder someone. 
Yes, actually, I did. <laughs> uh, I apparently tried to murder my brother when I was a wee lad and he was a baby. Yeah. So that's the thing. Apparently, they say that's normal. It is. I think it was fucked up. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, speaking of fucked up, let's talk about 1985. 1985. Yeah. Reagan was sworn in for a second term. Mm-hmm. Yay. Mm, he had already... He was already pretty much losing it. Uh, uh, we Are the World was recorded. <laughs> have you seen... There's been a lot of Bob Dylan memes. It's almost like oh, yeah. the millennials have just learned about... <laughs> Bob Dylan, Bob Dylan shit about right and being forced to be there by his agent and you know drunk or drugged out of his mind just hmm. uh, uh, 1985 was also the year of the inaugural Wrestlemania oh that's a big deal for you so there you go first Wrestlemania was in 85 Woo! Uh, it was the debut of new coke oh that went away quickly yes because coca-cola classic is where it's at what was the new coke like what was the difference they changed the formula remember yeah because like they were losing to pepsi and so they wanted to change it up a little for a minute like it was so weird because pepsi was like we're winning and then coke brought in new coke and people were like no please bring it back and then they brought back original coke and the coke just slayed Dis- or disney yeah well slayed his- pepsi ever since yeah they they got the market on Christmas there. You can't lose when you've got... I mean, they got everything. Jesus Christ, they're in McDonald's. They're everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Like, you can buy a Coke probably at the top of the Himalayan mountains if you wanted to. I'd, I'd assume so, yeah. Right. You know, you can at the base of uh, the Eiffel Tower because there's a McDonald's there. A Coke and a fucking Reese cup. You can get those anywhere. <laughs> Literally anywhere. Like... Do you sell just tires? Well, can I get a Coke and a Reese cup? They're like, yeah, we have those. They're in the vending machine. The vending machine. Like, they're everywhere. Totally, um, yeah. What else the, was going on in 85? Uh, Back to the Future was released. Cool. The NES was released. The Very Nintendo cool. The Entertainment System was released in North America. And it, that also gave us Super Mario Brothers being released. Yep. And Duck Hunt. Yep. Um, and that's kind of 85 in a nutshell. People that were born that year were Rooney Mara, Kiera Knightley, Carrie Mulligan, and people that died, Rock Hudson. Oh. Which, happy pride, by the way. Yeah, well, thank you. So, happy pride to you. It's my sister and sister-in-law's uh, anniversary. It took Rock Hudson to remind me. <laughs> I already knew, but okay. <laughs> well, I did, but like uh, seeing Rock Hudson, I was like, oh, let's, I should mention that. Let's we see. should. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Orson Welles and Ricky Nelson. Oh, man. My mom was a Ricky Nelson fan. I knew, oddly, I think I knew more about Ozzy and Harriet than Leave it to Beaver for a few minutes. Like, I never really saw any Ozzy and Harriets. But it was always, like, the butt of jokes around my house with my my parents. So, I guess. Mm -hmm. I only really, my only context for knowing Ricky Nelson is from the John Wayne Western Rio Bravo um, because he's one of the three leads in that. He's actually, yeah, it's him. It's John Wayne, him, and uh, Dean Martin. Is he singing it? They do. There's a scene where him and Dean Martin sing a song together and it's pretty great. What song is it? Um, Do you remember? Yeah, that Get Along Cindy Cindy song. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there you go. It's uh, it's the only song with my name. It's called Get Along Cindy Cindy. Elvis sang it and uh, Ricky Nelson. I know Ricky Nelson from being the father of Nelson, Gunner and Matthew. 
uh, of the band Nelson, who sang After the Rain. Yeah, loved that. <laughs> you, you have to have high hopes to name a child Gunner. Well, look, here's a Nelson, and I'm still talking about him. They were excellent musicians. They were super hot. They fit my M.O. of that long hair. I like, <laughs> I went through a phase, Val Kilmer and Willow, the Nelson twins. And then uh, it was rekindled with Orlando Bloom in Lord of the Rings, who I do not find attractive unless he's Legolas. Legolas. I think he's really cute. Anyway. Lord of the Rings movies gave us Viggo Mortensen as a star. And for that, I'll always be grateful. Yeah. He's going to be a big deal in our heart. All right. Uh, this movie is co-written and directed by Stuart Gordon. Stuart Gordon. I feel like we've unofficially done a Stuart Gordon month. <clears throat> yeah, this has been a lot of like him all the way going all the way back to January, like when we did dolls. Well, it's because we've done so much with Lovecraft. like yeah, with like the, the different kinds of special effect and costume and makeup. But you know what I mean? Yeah, that so whole package. Just this year, we've done from beyond. Dolls mm-hmm. and Dagon. And, and those now, are all Stuart Gordon movies. Now we're adding Reanimator. His what he's known for, right? Is Reanimator. Like, this is his what what was Stuart R.I.P. Stuart Gordon. What was Stuart Gordon known for? This movie. His first movie. Okay. So it's nineteen eighty five. Reanimator, Brain in a Jar. No. <laughs> but okay. That's all I keep thinking about. Um this movie was written by Dennis Paoli. Have we talked about Paoli before? Yeah, he also wrote From Beyond Dagon. He was is he related dentist? to Chris Paoli? I don't know. Chris Paoli is a... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Google it, because that is a young adult author. He's also... Uh, it was also written by William Norris. It's based on a short story by H.P. Lovecraft. Ooh. Here's where it ties into last month. <laughs> okay, so Chris Paoli and the... Oh, he's Paolini. P-A-O-L-I-N-I. Is that how that one's spelled? No. Okay. Dennis Paoli is P-A-O-L-I. Okay. This one has the N in it, so they must not be related. Continue on. (laughs) Good to Um, know. Like I said, this this was based on a short story by H.P. Lovecraft. H.P. Lovecraft wrote these. Thought we weren't doing any more Lovecraft, Josh. And he hated them. So he wasn't a fan of the reanimator stories he was writing. But and he says he only did them because he got five dollars per installment that he wrote. <laughs> oh, so basically, like he was like, I want to write stories about like ancient octopus gods and people going crazy, and and magazines were like, yeah, that's cool. Can you keep writing about like Reanimator? And he's <laughs> like, I would prefer not to. Enough. Yeah, we'll give you five dollars for each one you write. No, which in like that time was a fair amount of money. Right. He's like, I guess. But, I hate, I don't but he's not under, happy about doing it. Doing an address. I don't like these. Okay. So, and it's weird that this is the most famous Lovecraft movie. Like, that's just a straight Lovecraft movie. Uh, with his name on it. Because I think the title card is H.P. Lovecraft's Reanimator. And I, yes. It's like the thing he most hated. When we first started <laughs> with H.P. Lovecraft way back in uh, April, no, right? February. February. Yeah, because it was two months there. Uh, that was one of the things we talked about at the top of the month was we're not doing Reanimator. You had other plans for it. And so now here we are. Here we are at last. Here we so, go. Uh, this movie is also produced by Brian Usna, 
who produced From Beyond, uh, Dolls, Warlock, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and directed Society. And again, okay. at some point, we are going to watch Society and because I want to see your face whenever you see that movie. All right. Because <clears throat> it is it's something fucking else. crazy. All right. <laughs> uh, this movie stars the one and only. One uh, the and cast only. of this movie I love so much. This movie Top stars only. Jeffrey Combs okay. as Herbert West. I do not know Jeffrey Combs. It's funny how short your memory is because you've seen Jeffrey Combs recently. In what? <laughs> He was Crawford Tillinghast in From Beyond. Which character was that? I don't remember. I'm sorry. He was the one. He gets so annoyed because I I, I don't have. Eh. So Crawford Tillinghast was the guy who had the little wiener come out of his head. Got it. Okay. Now I remember. Yep. See? You, <clears throat> I have a visual memory, dear. Uh, he's also in The Frighteners, Fortress, and Robot Jocks. Jeffrey Combs is kind of horror royalty. He played uh, Poe. For being in all these. Oh, yeah. We talked about that. Um, This movie also stars Bruce Abbott as Dan Kane. He was in Tag the Assassination Game. This is his most famous role. And he would play it again. Same with Jeffrey Combs. There's a reanimator too. They're most famous for these movies. Um, And then that leads us to our third lead. Slash love of my heart. Barbara Crampton. Oh, yeah. Uh, she plays Megan Halsey. She was uh, in Front Beyond. We talked about yep. that at length. Yep. I remember her. Weird uh, S&M gear. Yep. Why she had to um, wear it, not sure. She was also in Your Next. She was recently in Jacob's Wife. She was in a Cindy Velo favorite, Chopping Mall. I love Chopping Mall. And she was on The Young and Restless forever. Yeah, she definitely has that look. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie also stars David Gale as Dr. Hill. He was in The Big Fix, which is a really underrated Richard Dreyfuss movie that I encourage you to check out. It's like a 70s Lebowski, like 20 years before Lebowski was a thing. Um, but with Richard Dreyfuss. Yay! He was also in the movie The Brain. And then rounding out our cast is Robert Sampson as Dean Halsey. And of course, we can't have a Stuart Gordon movie without Stuart Gordon's wife. Yes, and she's going to wear something on her head. Carolyn Purdy Gordon plays Dr. Herod in this, and she is great and mean because she's really good at playing mean. <laughs> and mean. mean. <clears throat> Apparently really nice in real life. Really good at playing mean on screen. So there you go. Um, I will say, Cindy, before yes. we segue into talking about... Uh, the poster and whatnot. Okay. The one bit of trivia I pulled because I wanted to give this to you. Ahead of time? Oh, okay. The effects department went through 24 gallons of fake blood for this Ugh. movie. Gross. <laughs> gross. 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 So uh, but okay. All right, you gross. ready? Gross. Ready for this poster? Yes. Okay, so this is a part of the podcast where Josh shows me an original poster of the film and I try to discern meaning. Um, you could have just looked over the, oh, where is it? We have a reanimator poster in here somewhere. Okay. Oh, it's not a brain in a jar. I'm sorry. It's just a head. Herbert West has a good head on his shoulders and another one on his desk. It will scare you to pieces. So I'm going to say this is a modern day, um, 
Frankenstein. And he puts half of his personality into a new head. And the head is all the good and all that's left is the evil. That's a good guess. I'm not, you're not. I'm not wrong. Right about a few things. Okay. One thing Ooh. you're right about, a couple things you're not right about. Okay, well, how are we? We are probably watching this on some limited edition fancy Blu-ray yeah, in a mean, tin it's, can. It's not. Yeah, it's a, it came in a tin can. <laughs> I fished it out of the river. Um, no, Arrow did a Blu-ray. Uh, it's got the um, the unrated, the uncut version. So that's what we're going to be watching. Cool. The I think this is a weird case, if I'm not mistaken, where the unrated cut mm-hmm. is shorter than the. He didn't want as much exposition bar. or something. So okay. like to, uh, I think if I'm not if if I'm remembering correctly, once they started cutting things out for gore's sake, mm-hmm. it took oh. it under the runtime, so they had to put extra shit back in. Gotcha. To take it back over, like the because yeah. that's to be like an hour and twenty minutes, and um, so Stuart was like, uh, "There's like stuff in there that doesn't need to be in there, just because you put it in there for runtime doesn't mean that it needs to be there." The gore. Just put the gore yeah. in and like let the movie be the way it's supposed to be. Cool. All right. Well, we're off to watch that. Join us, won't you? Mind the doors. Reanimator. Herbert West is at the top of his class in medical school. How can you teach such drivel? These people are here to learn and you're closing their minds before they even have a chance. What are He's you? brilliant, but a little weird. I've broken the six to 12 minute barrier. I've conquered brain death. His experiments have always been unorthodox. It was dead. But lately, they're getting out of hands. And he's just made a discovery that could wake up the dead. Herbert West has affected reanimation in dead animal tissue. What are you thinking? How do you feel? Once you wake up the dead, you've got a real mess on your hands. Herbert, you're insane! Now what happened? I had to kill him! He's dead? Not anymore. Herbert West brought a lot of dead people back to life, and not one of them showed any appreciation. H.P. Lovecraft's classic tale of horror, Reanimator. Mr. West. You'll never get credit for my discovery. Who's going to believe a talking head get a job in a sideshow? scare you to pieces. Hey guys, welcome back from watching Reanimator. Uh, this movie was silly. I liked it though. I really liked it. It was just it was silly. I didn't take it very seriously, but it was super gross. Cindy. Yeah? People that tell you mm. 
after watching it. Because I get there are people that are going to say it without having seen it. But once you've seen Reanimator, to be like, I hated it. Right. You just hate fun. Yeah, it it's just a fun movie. This is... Hmm. This is when you're like, oh, I want to watch like a bloody, gory, scary... Like, this is a bloody, uh, gory, a scary time. movie. <laughs> when you're like, I want to have a good time. That's not what I mean, but yeah. Okay. It was fun. <laughs> Did I just out my definition of good time? I think so. Okay, here's what I think... Uh, here's what I say the movie's about. It's very short and quick and simple. Um, a man, a scientist, learns... Or creates a formula that can bring dead tissue back to life. So, it, like, it, it's like a hand doesn't need, like, an arm to move it because it's, like, the tissue is itself is back to life. Mm-hmm. And things go crazy. <laughs> and then shit starts popping off. As another doctor tries to steal the thing and then... Dr. Carl Hill. It's just, <laughs> things go crazy. What does IMDb say? I thought uh, it was a pretty short, succinct. After an okay. odd, after an odd new medical student arrives on campus, a dedicated local and his girlfriend become involved in bizarre experiments centering around the reanimation of dead tissue. Right. Um, um, there's certain things like I don't know why it was important. I don't know why it was important that the love interest for the uh, heartthrob of the movie had to be the dean's daughter and like those little things i just didn't that were unnecessary but they were there and they, she was played by barbara crampton yay uh i think it's worth noting before we start talking about the meat and potatoes of this movie i think it's interesting we talked about in bride of frankenstein they're not being like a clear-cut hero protagonist right this is a movie where the protagonist the hero, the person that we're supposed to side with in the story, is is Dan Kane, and he's the heartthrob. Yeah, he looks like um, if he looks like if you ordered nineteen ninety nine Noah Wiley off of Wish dot com, like you would Fair. get the guy who plays Dean Kane in Fair. this movie. Um, what? You know, for more on Noah Wiley, feel free to go back to our Donnie Darko episode. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, uh, but the weird thing is. He's kind of supposed to be the touchstone character, like the one we empathize with, I think, the one that is kind of like the audience stands yeah. in. Kind of the protagonist in a way? No, he's the narrator, but he's not the protagonist. This is one of those... So this is kind of like what we call limit, like third person limited. So like in The Great Gatsby, The Great Gatsby, the book is told from the neighbor's point of view. And then in the book, he's just a character in the book. The whole thing is about Gatsby and what's your face. And so I think in this, it's the same thing. The narrator, the person that we're that we follow and whose point of view we see is Dr. Kane, the protagonist of the movie, the person who is leading the plot forward, the driving force is, is the other one <laughs> who I call, wait, what, what was his character's name? Herbert West. Herbert West. Um, he looks like I if you ordered Dan Kane. <laughs> he looks like it sounds like Dean Kane. Um, he looks like if I ordered Radar O'Reilly from Mash on Wish.com. That's what he looks like. Um, okay. Um, Everybody's yeah. like, oh, I, they look kind of familiar, no, but not. He has okay. Ra- Radar O'Reilly, and I can't believe I can't remember the actor's name. Has a rounder face. 
Um, they both look young as shit. So I get that. They both have the glasses thing. Uh, Jeffrey Combs? That's my dude. And, <laughs> He's your and, dude? How many yeah. times have you, have you met him? I've met I've met Jeffrey Combs. He yeah. autographed my uh, Herbert West figure right up there. Yay. And what did he sign it with? What was the phrase you had him you had him write? Oh, cat dead, details later. Yeah. I kind of know what you were I actually Cat dead, details later? I did not ask him for that line. Oh. I said, would you care to write a, a quote? And he said, do you have a preference? And I was like, whatever you would, whatever you would prefer. Because I, I didn't want to be pushy about it. And that's what he wrote. So I was pretty okay with that. But it, this movie, like, it has the thing where it's like, Dan Kane, he's the normal. He's the hero. He's the square-jawed guy. Right. But, like... Herbert West is just so much more interesting that even in scenes where he's not the focus. You, that is he focused on. You tend to go to him. And True. also Barbara Crampton. Like, and I, this sucks for the Dan Kane character, but he kind of is mm. like ornamental in a lot of ways. Yeah, he really is. There's no point for him. Every, you know. Well, no, I mean, he's there as the audience hurt. He's there as the, no. like, the person to be tempted into the Herbert West lifestyle of reanimating the dead. Like, he's important to the plot. But I think the problem is, and this is not a slight against the actor, but he's just given so much, so many less cool lines and less <laughs> stuff to do. And less, yeah. That, like, you you want to go watch? I Herbert think you West. hit the nail on the head by saying that he he's the stand-in for the audience because he is really like yeah I want to go along with Doctor West yeah I want to no 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 I can't I can't I can't yeah. no no yeah, yeah even yeah, this no, one no, with no. Carl Hill you're like oh fuck like the interesting Dan Kane stuff is when he finds out like Carl Hill's a pervy perv and is like being yes. used napkins and stuff from Robert oh, that like, was so gross that's the most interesting Dan Kane stuff and it's not a about him. Right. It's about Carl Hill, who's definitely the bad guy this movie. 100%. Even though, Guys, uh, there's... Herbert West kills him. <laughs> oh my gosh. Twice. Actually, once. I forgot about um, the Barbara Crampton's brush with death. Well, tw- twice? Does he, and uh, Cunnilingus. Do you give him twice? Yes, twice. Because he definitely cut his head off. Right, with a and he's shovel. dead. But and then, then he killed the body. Right. But Dean Halsey crushed the head and threw That's it into the second. The wall. That would be the second time. Yeah, the end of this movie is fucking awesome. There's and yes. gory. And he's wonderful. killed twice. Like, I like this movie a lot. Every time I watch it, I'm like, ah, this is such a good time. But when Carl, Carl, <laughs> I keep waiting for you to say Carl Weathers by accident. Carl Weathers. Um, when his head is just talking and it's like uh, giving Herbert West shit for showing up. Yep. And then he just, all of the dead bodies reanimate and like stand up. I'm like, this movie just went to a 10. Yes. Like, fuck yeah, this movie. It jumped from like a 6 to a 10. It wasn't just like, oh, we kicked it so up a notch. Good. We just flipped straight I mean, up. Cindy, what other movie can you watch a decapitated head try head and force try to give head to a naked Barbara Crampton yeah I, I can't think of any other movies and I've seen a few Barbara Crampton movies now yeah like he's holding his own head yep and just and like just shoving it into her, her nipple working his way down the Ugh, so foul oh, so foul <laughs> this movie is so much fun and it kind of is like this is lo- like Lovecraft's and by proxy Stuart Gordon's take on Frankenstein, right? Yes, 100%. Which is why I paired it with Frankenstein or Bride of Frankenstein. Oh, that makes sense. It's the idea of, like, 
scientific hubris and wanting to create life. And again, it goes back to what we talked about in Broder Frankenstein, which is it's again two men trying to yes. make a life. And this time there's very obviously like the the <laughs> the, the Dr. Frankenstein's wife character. I think it was played by Valerie Hobson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she immediately takes a back seat in Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. Yes. He's like, oh, Henry. And he's like, oh, I gotta go do this thing with this guy. And yeah. yeah. And this is like. She's so easily forgettable that we totally replace her in the second one. Like. Yeah. Like, Dan Kane it loves her clearly and mm-hmm. like pines after her and he's like how you're so hot but he's so uh, like unless she's physically in the room to he forgets about her. him like her out of sight out like, of mind so do you want to like react some dead people yes he's like, yeah it'd be great oh meg's here meg you're so hot <laughs> wait what about the dead bodies oh yeah yeah, yeah. and oh it was yeah and his relationship with Dr. West is so funny because West is so <sighs> Sheldon Cooper-like, I guess. Okay. He's uh, just so... That brings You up, don't understand. Like That brings up a, a thing I wanted to talk to you about. Okay. What do you think is going on with Herbert West? Do you think he's autistic? Do you think he's a sociopath? Do you think he's a mm. psychopath? Like, he has no fucks when it comes to, like human interaction i don't know if i if i mean i don't know if that's autism or if i mean it has been my experience that the smarter a person is the more the harder it is for them to have that same level of personality does that make sense Mm -hmm. very rarely do you get someone who's very charismatic and a genius like you don't get that matt damon uh whatever that hell that movie was you don't get that too often typically if someone um is genius level smart they're a little quirky and they don't mean to be and i don't know if we would if that would qualify as being autistic or if it's just like no i'm i'm smarter than you go out get out of my way you're wasting my time it's just that herbert west especially in this has no desire or empathy or any human interactions with anyone that are that he he can't get something out of right, right. like he has well, an admiration for... for dr gruber the guy in the the open which is a fucking great cold open where he's the you know, like, you killed him no i gave him life <laughs> yeah but he that has happened. an admiration and a fondness for him because he was learning from him i think he had kind of right. a fondness for he likes dan because yeah. he has the apartment or the house to rent yeah, yeah especially at first but also like dan is someone who he could very easily manipulate yeah and it does like they do have a really nice relationship and i do enjoy watching them together and it's fun but like do you think that if dan weren't a doctor who was so easy to jump on board helping him that they would have that relationship that he would be interested in all in like a friendship with him no because it doesn't really feel like a friendship yeah it's definitely the chess club meets the football club. Like you know, as soon as he club. yeah, as soon as he shows up at the house to see the room, like Barbara Crampton's like, I don't like him. He's fucking weird. Right? Why? Like, yeah. No, no, no. Don't rent to him. He, he immediately like Doctor Gruber because he not Doctor Gruber, um, Doctor Hill when he's talking about like the will and dissecting that brain. He's just <laughs> snapping pencils, snapping pencils, which is my new favorite him. thing. Because As a teacher, 
oh my gosh, that's so funny. And then, like, he just pulls another pencil out. Step. Pulls another. Unpause. Okay. And then he just pulls another pencil out. It was almost comical. But, and then the retort was, uh, what did Dr. Dr. Hill say? Mr. West, in the future, I was Invest in a pen. Yeah, invest in a pen. Yeah. This movie has so many good fucking This lines. definitely will pass the archive in that, for sure. Yeah, but it's it's the Frankenstein tale of, like we said, mad science and trying to conquer death. Almost for vanity. Right? Yeah, there's really no reason. Like, I don't I, they, I don't want to say no reason. Because, they're not sick. Right. right? Like, they do it for a, the sake of being able to do it. Yeah. Just because I can, I will. And it, is that a good thing? Is that a good reason to bring human tissue back to life? Also, or? like, I I think the idea in this vampire films really get into this concept. Like, the idea of, like, living forever would be Super amazing. boring. Not oh, really. I think it would be super boring. <laughs> I think, I mean, there are movies, like, we've gone, there are vampire movies that I've gotten into the thing of, like, you would just be bored. Yeah. Like, you would have done everything at some point. But yes. I think it's also the thing where, like, having to grow old and watch everyone around you die. Yeah, right? that's and a that, huge part of that it. That would suck. A lot. Like, but, so there's not, in the typical way that in a movie like this, Dr. Um, Wet West, like, there was no reason, you know, it's not like, oh, he lost a loved one, and now he wants to conquer death. Or he's sick and he wants to conquer death. You know what I mean? It's just for the sake of... It's never been done before. But it's yeah. not even that. I'll be honest, though. I, I don't think he was exactly following procedure I to be published. prefer that. Prefer what? The, the like... Do it just I to do it? because I can. Like, if this would have <laughs> been, a little like, more super soap opery and, like, I've got terminal cancer and I just want, you know... I don't. I just want to live long enough yeah. to see what... It, like, eh. I'm not saying I would have enjoyed yeah. it more. It's just that's... The typical formula it fits his personality perfectly, right? He he just wants to do it because he can. Yeah, and everyone this is the next evolutionary step in science. Everyone and everything is there to help him get there. Right, right? the university, Dan, Meg, the cat, Doctor Hill, that the, he oh, totally yeah. kills. <laughs> cat dead. Details later. Like, yeah, everything is a tool for him. He sees everything as like a tool to get to my ultimate goal, which is. You know, I will beat death. Right. And that's what he sets out to do. So, are there, other than the typical themes that we have when we talk about reanimation, haha, or Frankenstein, of the hubris of man and that sort of a thing, is there anything else, any other kind of hidden messages in this one that we need to dissect and dig through? I don't think so. I don't, it's really straightforward. It's a super fun movie. When... When it comes to a movie that Josh says he loves, it's either going to be crazy amazeballs fun and just be like a wild ride like Big Trouble in Little China, or it's going to be like very dark and deep, like Crimson Peak. Or and Possession. Like, or Possession. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exa- yes, 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 exactly. love Possession. And I did not. I get it. I totally, but th- it's totally get it. One, one, one or the other, that for sure. So let's see if this hits the Arkov formula. Oh, 100%. 100%. So Arkov, Samuel Z. Arkov was a producer who came up with an acronym based on his name for the perfect movie. A, action. Tons of action. 
I mean, it's got a really fast open. Right. Um, uh, like, like yes, Dr. a man Dr. dead Dr. and someone's injecting him. out of his head. Oh, like, I forgot about The that gore scene. effects of this movie are pretty I think that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, as far as action, the gore oh, are revolutionary. Is this revolutionary? Let, let me ask you that. Because this is kind of like Frankenstein. They make a point of saying that they're different than Frankenstein because... Frankenstein was reanimating something that was dead, whereas they are reanimating something that's never been alive, like hands. And, yeah, I think it's okay. Right? I think I think the you have to look at this as two tracks. I think the base story, um, and you look at H.P. Lovecraft's Reanimator as a story. Right. It's basically he just ripped off Frankenstein to make money. So <laughs> that's not revolutionary in and of itself. I think. What Stuart Gordon did with the movie and the way he shot it mm-hmm. and the way he basically did everything like a um, like a theater troupe. I think that is revolutionary. I think what Stuart brought to it made it a revolutionary movie, but I don't think the subject matter gotcha. is inherently revolutionary. The next uh, O oratory, yes. Even I'm quoting this movie. Yeah, I think everyone... There are hilarious, memorable there were a lot of things that once they were said, I was like, oh, I've heard that before. Yeah, I don't think oh, okay. you can watch this movie and not have a favorite line. It was fun. Right? Uh, I think the one we've not mentioned that is probably the best line in the movie. What? Is the... I mean, the cat dead details later. It's oh, yeah. amazing one. But I think the one everyone thinks about is, you know, um, who will give you credit for my work? Oh. Talking head. Get a show. Get a get your get a job at a, a sideshow. Get a job in a sideshow. Get a job in a sideshow. And he's so matter of fact when he talks. It's his delivery is hilarious. So oratory for sure. Uh, let's see. Do we skip? K, do we skip K for killing? There is killing right off the mm-hmm. bat. And then fantasy and fornication. Fantasy, uh, yes. Yeah. And then fornication. Yeah. Yes. Can we talk about how? really disconcerting it is because it's such a Stuart Gordon move to what? be like, you guys want to see Barbara Crampton's titties, huh? Well, her dad's going to be the one to rip Ugh. her shit off and that's going to be traumatizing. Problematic. Yes. <laughs> well, even in it's not like in a sexy way, but the first minutes of, or so of the movie after we get past the German thing is uh, Dr. Kane saving a you know, you know mm-hmm. Trying to do chest compressions on a woman whose shirt's open, titties flying. Yeah. Uh, Stuart Gordon, I believe we've talked about this in the past, had zero fucks to give about nudity. Well, like, it's, he very, would it's often very European. put on like um, stage plays that would get him arrested. <laughs> like, at, at, when he went to college in Chicago and stuff, and even after when he had that, like, the organic theater troupe, they would put on plays and the police would come and be like, okay, This is pornography. You've gone too far. You have to come with you have to come with us to jail now, so that's a thing. So I mean, he's a boundary pusher. This definitely this movie pushes boundaries. for sure. So uh, I would watch this movie again. Yes, I would not watch it with my mother. This I would not. No, way too gory. If you, there are definitely women her age or people. You know, there are definitely people her age who like gory movies and this would be a perfect movie for someone like that it's not a very hard plot to follow so interested to hear when you get to your kids um the kids not yet i think the teenager would would 
I think he would think it was hilarious and gory and scream and laugh the way I did. Not not the littlest one yet. Not the 11-year-old. He's not ready. Not Delicate Dan? No. <laughs> no. No. Uh, well. What are we doing? Hold on. Let's, oh. let's do some trivia. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What have we got? I'm super... Uh, so Stuart Gordon and Dennis Paoli originally intended to be faithful to the Lovecraft story, but when they finished, they were like, eh, this really isn't so much. Uh, it had little in common with the story, which was intended to be a parody of Frankenstein. So, uh, Okay, well, I, I am super unfamiliar with any of H.P. Lovecraft's work, so... Uh, David Gale, the actor who played Dr. Carl Hale, his wife divorced him. Over the, over the yes, getting oh, head scene. It was just a little too much. Just a little too much. Yeah. So that I was a thing. Just maybe, maybe don't have your head shoved in between her thighs. Maybe. <laughs> so this was Stuart Gordon's first film. I think that's important to remember. Okay. This is his first movie out the gate. This is how he kicks in the yeah. door. And he originally wanted to shoot this in black and white on 16 millimeter because he wanted to give it like a gritty night alone. Okay. Look. Yeah. I can so, see that. That would have been interesting. And the liquid that glows green is actually, they would crack open glow sticks. Why not? That's what they would use. But they had, you know. I think I said that in the, in the opening. Like, why reinvent the wheel? If it's, you know, if it works, it works. There's, like, uh, I mean, for some reason, Nickelodeon doesn't talk, like, I don't know anymore, but when my, my kids were little. Like, show the, a lot of nudity. <laughs> yeah. the, 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 the secret behind the slime was top secret and confidential. In the 80s, they talked about it, or in the early 90s, all the time. It's vanilla pudding, um, applesauce, and green food dye. Like, that's what slime was made of. They talked about it all the time. And it's kind of like, why reinvent, you know what I mean? Like, oh, that's, we needed something kind of chunky and gross and green. There it is, slime. They don't have to make something. It doesn't have to be top secret in order for it to be effective and cool. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, it is. It's really cool when it's like this dark room of body parts and you see this tiny little glowing vial and you know, you know, this is Reanimator. Um, so speaking of body parts and gore, so the, the brains in the severed head were made up of steer meat byproducts, like ground uh, ground beef and fake blood. Byproducts. Yeah. <sighs> okay. And then they were just kind of smashed into the wall, mm-hmm. and then the camera crew had to wear garbage bags over them. I would imagine. Didn't know how much it would go everywhere. A lot of splo- yeah. splashing and splooshing. Uh, we did talk. Barbara Crampton's very naked in this movie. Yes. Uh, very much very so. And strapped down. Naked in this movie. Uh, and she talked about doing nude scenes in this and a couple other movies in 2014. And she said, uh, quote, anything I did was always part of the film and part of the story. I don't think that anything I ever did felt like I shouldn't hmm. be doing this or I'm scared to do it or that it would hurt my career if I did it. There are a lot of people who are movie viewers who have very varying degrees on what they think and how they feel about sexuality and nudity. There's a lot of social and moral issues involved in people's minds and their upbringing. But for me as an actor, if it's part of the story, I'll do it and I'll probably continue to do it. I just don't think... I don't know if anybody's going to see a, quote, wrinkled old grandmother Barbara Crampton, but if it's part of the story, I'll... Do it. You know what? First off, good for her, one hundred percent. And honestly, in the end, it's her body; it's her choice totally, if she feels like being totally naked or not. She just, she just produced and starred in a horror film where she year, gets naked. Where she's naked. Good on her. That's <laughs> called, awesome. Called uh, Jacob's Wife. So that's a thing. Nice. Okay. I don't think it was necessary that she be naked and that he be 
using his head to lick down her body. But I mean, I don't. I didn't have the creative vision. I kind of agree with you. Like, I don't think that was. N- 16, 17 year old me would disagree with you. <laughs> fair, fair Just point. Saying. I don't think I'm the demographic they were going after. So, um, so the building that they used for the Miskatonic Medical School okay. is, did it look Which familiar? is where the whole thing took did place. Did the hospital exterior look familiar to no, you? No, what was it? It's the same building that they used for the Cyberdyne headquarters in Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Oh, I wouldn't have known that. Did you know that? Uh, did it look familiar to you? Kind of. I think once I saw it, like once I read that, it. I was like, eh. and then watching it again this time, I'm like, hundred percent, gotcha, hundred um, percent. So John Nolan, who worked on the film's makeup effects, uh, used what he liked to call a disgusting shots brought out from the Cook County morgue of all kinds of different what? limidities and different corpses. Oh. So he went to the morgue and took pictures oh. to be like, this is what dead bodies look like. Well, so he and Gordon. How very method. Yeah, also used a book of forensic pathology in order to present how a corpse looks once the blood settles in the body. Gross. Creating a variety of odd skin tones. Yeah. Um, that cat was a real dead cat. That's they just lovely. went to a, uh, I believe the story was, they went to um, an animal shelter and got a cat that had been euthanized. And okay. Like, Here you go. Or no, it was one on the side of the road, maybe. Uh, I'm trying to remember, but it was a real whatever. Cat. Well, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so that's the thing. Uh, the Doctor Carl Hill role was actually apparently originally written for Christopher Lee. Okay. But he turned it down. Could yeah. you imagine? If well, he was doing kind of crazy stuff at that point. But yeah, that would have been hilarious. Yeah. Um, I can see it, though. It's definitely played like, like Christopher Lee. Uh, the, the first guy who's reanimated at the morgue, the one that goes and kills the dean. Yes. And that, um, if you watch the movie, is the one that Herbert West takes the saw and Ugh. just cuts through so him from gross. behind. The, yeah, that bone that's, saw. Yeah, that's kills Peter him with the bone saw. Is that actor. Okay. Peter Kent was Arnold Schwarzenegger's stunt double on 14 movies. Dang. Starting with The Terminator and ending with Jingle All the Way. <laughs> so he went on to pretty cool stuff. Okay. Yes. Cindy. Yes. It's turbo time. It's turbo time. It's turbo time. Turbo. Um, and there was originally a subplot that revealed that Dr. Hill had the ability to control minds. He was like a hypnotist. And it was okay. cut from the film for timing reasons. But you can still kind of see it in the story. Yeah, when um, he gets all the mm-hmm. bodies. I, I just assumed that was part of, like, for some reason, they were linked, you know, after having the serum. It was just something that hadn't been explained. That's I just yeah. wrote that right off. So that's some trivia. I, I want to point out before we go, though, that we're not alone in absolutely gushing and loving this movie. Who else gushes and loves this movie? So Pauline Kale who was a big time film critic mm-hmm. called the film an indigenous American junkiness and <laughs> quote pop boon well. And the jokes hit you in a subterranean comic zone that the surrealist pranks sometimes reached, but without the surrealist self-consciousness, she fucking loved it. Wow. Roger Ebert gave the film three out of four stars and wrote, I walked out somewhat surprised and reinvigorated, if not reanimated, Ha-ha. by a movie that had the audience emitting taxi whistles and wild goat cries. And Janet Maslin from the New York Times wrote, Reanimator has a fast pace and a good deal of grisly vitality. 
It even has a sense of humor, albeit one that would be lost on 99.9% of any ordinary movie-going crowd. Yeah. That's the thing. You have to you have to take it for what it is. What was the purpose of this movie? This movie was to shock and be gory and highly entertaining. And it was. It was all three of those. Yep. Um, and it it's kind of like amongst fans and fan sites it's really popular like this movie's like become a major cult hit cool so it has a 93 percent approval rating on Rotten tomatoes and i saw one person's uh breakdown of it and they said it perfectly mixes humor and horror and the only thing more effective than reanimators gory scares are its dry deadpan jokes uh, <laughs> yes very <laughs> dry very deadpan but very fun yeah metacritic gave the film a rating of 73 out of 100 uh, Entertainment bad. Weekly ranked it number 32 on their list of top 50 cult films and number 14 on their cult 25, the essential left field movie hit since 1983 list. Sweet. People fucking love this movie. Yeah, it's a good movie. As do we. Now, this brings me to next week. We did, and I remember this from the first that first or second episode, Frankenstein, mm-hmm. Bride of Frankenstein, Reanimator, Bride of Reanimator. Is there really a Bride of Reanimator or were you just being silly? One hundred percent a bride of reanimator and is that we're, that's what we're doing next week i thought you yes. were just being silly we are like smurfs bride of smurfs you know no, uh, there is a bride of reanimator and i'm that's gonna, what say, we're gonna watch i'm just gonna go out on a limb and say it now not as good as reanimator okay but five times baddier and five times more fucking insane. Okay. Is. Five times baddier, five uh, times more insane. Yeah, it's... Cuckoo Bananas. Be- beyond the pale of Cuckoo Bananas. <laughs> it's such All a good right. fucking time, though. Okay, well then, uh, until then... I'm Josh. And I'm Cindy, and I'm still his girlfriend. Mr. West.